Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Jersey Joe Corner. It is brought to you by Big Heads Media. It is going to be a great hockey season uh, coming right up. A lot of interesting things. Uh, Anchor.fm will help you uh, start your podcast and get things rolling. It's going to be a lot smoother when you uh, when you get the Anchor app, and it's so much easier to navigate. Even their online website at anchor.fm is very efficient and you can do a lot of great things with it and i i stand by it myself and i must say it's time to say let's go devils with the first pick overall the new jersey devils are brought to select from the U.S. program, Jack Hughes. Let's go, baby! Oh, oh, Let's go, oh, 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 oh. Lays it across, Botnan drives, score! Sammy Botnan let it rip, it's a power play goal, and the Devils have opened it up. Oh, my. Nico walking in, shooting, score! Hey, finally working again. All right, here we go. All right, here we go. Back to the whole Pavel Zaka thing. So, he... Absolutely. So, Zaka, you know, it has been a tumultuous week for uh, the young forward for the Devils. Uh, you know, he was an RFA. He got a qualifying offer back in June. He doesn't have Arbright. So, he says, hey... I'm going to take my talents to the KHL. Shiro says, okay, fine. You do that. You go sign over there. You can sign there. You can sign in Brampton. It don't matter. We still own your rights. Boom, next day, contract is done. And that's good for him so he can get back into training camp right away. He doesn't have to be a holdout like Miles Wood was last year. And, you know, you can get into his game and build on what was a strong end to 2018-2019 For everyone who wants to know about Miles Wood earlier, he uh, in this past offseason, it was reported today that he was actually uh, working with Adam Oates. So Adam Oates, everyone remembers back in the 2011-2012 season, he played a critical role in the 2011-2012 New Jersey Devils uh, Stanley Cup Finals team, despite them not uh, bringing back the cup, uh, which I think he was one of the most crucial uh, coaches on that staff, besides Peter DeBoer. I I liked what Oates brought to the table. He worked with the young players really well. You know, he showed them that, hey, you know what, you're big and powerful, so you got to use it to your ability. And if you have the skill, he's gonna. He brought out the best in them, 
And that's a good thing for Miles Wood because as we've discussed in other episodes that I've been on, New Jersey Joe podcast, we've discussed Miles Wood. We've discussed that the talent is there. He just takes the ill-advised penalty at the wrong time. And he's got to learn to control his speed because it's a weapon. And he can hone his skill with that speed. Then the Devils have something with the contract that he signed last offseason. It always seems like um, you have a guy like Wayne Simmons uh, on the right wing side. You have Miles Wood, who's a big, strong, physical boy. You know, having the two played against each other between New Jersey and Philly, I think a guy like Wayne Simmons can resurrect uh, Wood's career in a way like that big physical uh, body up up against the boards can be very beneficial, um, especially with Pavel Zaka, you know, similar player, but needs a lot more work uh, with a guy like Simmons, who's a really good veteran. Yeah, and then don't forget you have Kyle Palmieri as well, uh, Jersey boy, uh, shout out <laughs> Montvale, native. Uh, but he is like those guys as well. He's big, you know, he's got skill. He's got some, you know, Simmons doesn't have the speed, but he's, you know, Palmieri, look what he's done in power play for the Devils Park, his big buddy, body in front, and, you know, Devils power play goes to work. So if Miles Wood can turn himself into a player like that, the Devils have something going. It always seems, well, we're both going to be in a press box this season watching Devils games regardless of what amount of games we go to. But from a, from what it seems to be from our standpoint that, you know, you want to see um, the coaching staff um, with someone like Rick Kowalski to help lead the charge along with Lane Nazardine to, you know, change the formations up and not make the team so predictable like – they were last year because it always seemed that the puzzle was a little too easy. Yes, I agree. The puzzle was way too easy and teams figured the devil's power play out really quick. I mean, it wasn't rocket scientist. The the devils tried to keep the puck to the outside and try to set up somebody for one timer. Now you can move things around with all the pieces that you have. You don't have to go for the one time shot. You don't, you can circle things around, maybe cycle it a little bit. Because everybody plays a form of that umbrella power and, play. And, and the, But not too many guys have a one-time shot like Ovechkin, Line A, or Stamkos in that in It's that funny circle. you mentioned Line A. You know, I, I, I contributed an article like that's still trending a little bit on uh, Pucks and Pitchforks currently about Patrick Line A being – an ideal uh, trade and the devils are one of the three teams rumored to be interested. Uh, Do you know anyone that's currently in on that rumor? I mean, look, I've talked to some people in regards to the line, a uh, to the devils thing. I mean, they've been, they were snooping around prior to getting Gusev. And they might still be snooping around, try to see what they can see what Winnipeg is looking to do. But again, is how much are you going to have to give up for a guy like Line A? Because I tell you right now, because I you might have seen the same reports that I saw that oh yeah, Line a comes over. Did it ever mention anything about Taylor Hall still being on the team? If anything happens, it has to involve Taylor Hall going the other way. 
No way the Jets give up Lions. No, no, you know what? Matter of fact, you know, Taylor Hall keeps doing this hokey pokey thing, uh, playoffs or bust tweet. You know, this – I know we Devils fans, Devils critics, whatever you want to use, um, we're tired of guys going either back home or just they want to go somewhere else. Um, it, I think it better suits Taylor Hall to go back to uh, – Western Canada, especially Manitoba, where, you know, he's clo- he's closer home and they're more of a playoff team. They need a guy like him more. Meanwhile, I think this can re- replace him. Well, like I was telling you, and as people saw in the Devils preview, which we'll get to in a minute, uh, that was on last word on hockey.com, that the, the whole key to the Devils' offense this season is Jesper Boquist. And... If he comes in and shows that he's an NHLer right away, then it makes the transition away from Taylor Hall a lot easier because you can put him with Hughes right away. You you may be able to slot him in on the first line. And I'll tell you this, you know, a lot of people, you know, say, and I've read, you know, on these devil's boards that they said, oh, yeah, when they put Boquist on the pin, they put him on a third or fourth line. I'm telling you right now. If you're going to play him on the third or fourth line, you might as well just let him go back to Sweden and let him play there and hone his game because it serves him no purpose whatsoever to play on the third and fourth line and get that kind of minutes for a guy that can produce. And so you were telling me a little while back about Halsey's that, you know, he's got $6 million on the table right now before the season starts. Right. And the Devils currently have a cap of six point. Four six one six hundred sixty seven dollars uh, left over. So that's almost right. thirteen million dollars. Uh, you can definitely get someone like a like a Patrick Liney that will want to, you know, take up maybe ten million dollars, maybe bonus money. Yeah, I mean, I would personally the 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 biggest the best fit. It makes the most sense. And the Leafs keep saying Marner's not available, Marner's not available. Is Marner to the Devils for Hall? It just makes the most sense because the dollars make the most sense. The dollar and well, – Liney's a, a great player. Don't get me wrong. But he needs to prove that he can do what he did again and again. And that's why you see a lot of these guys – taking bridge deals and he took a bridge deal again he was 15 draft class so and you got to look at the guys behind him and we can get that get into that another time but line a you know it was an off year he had 30 goals but he was so inconsistent and he and if you're going to pay him the money he wants then he needs to produce on the second line or first line because Paul Maurice in Winnipeg had him up and down the lineup the whole year. And it always seemed like he couldn't exactly find the right feel for his shot this past season. He just seemed a little bit off at times. And I think, you know, guys like that sometimes don't always translate into New Jersey Devils hockey. But I do think Mitchell Marner is the missing piece uh, on, that left, on that left wing. Oh, yeah. I mean, look, he's young. And Devils fans, again, 
and don't want to hear this, <laughs> but Taylor Hall is old. He's 27. Okay, that's not old in real years. It's getting older in hockey years. And you can get a guy that's 22, five years younger, and pay him $10 million, 11, and you have him for four or five years, and then then he becomes 27 again, and then we t- look at the situation. But, again, everybody talks about that window. And it seems like, you know, you look at your your Twitter feed and it seems like, you know, you see one guy retire uh, 33 years old, 35. You know, a lot of these players who aren't exactly as skilled and gifted, you know, like uh, Sidney Crosby came into this league at 18 years old and he's 33 all, – he's like over 30 years old or something like that, you know. It, it just, you know, like you said, it it takes a toll after a while, even on the great ones. Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, look, Crosby, he started in the league when he's 18. He's now 33. I mean, think of, I mean, I, I can't believe that he's been in the league this long. It feels like he just came in the league last week <laughs> and. But he didn't. He's been here a long, around a while, like Ovechkin, like Malkin, like Flurry, like all those guys. But and and taking a look at the like the UFA list, the guys that are left. Again, you talk about those serviceable guys that have been around a long time, and they just can't seem to find a spot because one, they don't know about the cap, but two, it's a young man's game, and if teams have players in the organization that can fill the roles of those veteran guys that are still out there, then they might want to go the younger, cheaper way. And it seems to be like that in a, in a, in a cap world that's below $82 million. And, it, yes. and, it, and there's always a GM that's trying to reallocate those dollars and trying to um, predict the upcoming season and the season after that. Because after that, you're cash-strapped and – I remember talking about Steve Dangle talking about oh, John Tavares being like the dagger in uh, the the cap problems for the Leafs, even though Tavares is a, re- a real amazing player. Don't get me wrong. Oh, yeah. I mean, look, you go back to free agency. Everybody's talking about, oh, Matthews got to get done and Marner got to get done and Nylander got to get done. And now Tavares is a free agent. All right, well, everything got thrown in a complete circle and 180 because Tavares signs in Toronto. Now, Matthews gets done pretty easily. Nylander holds out to December 1st, which hurts him because he wants he needed to be in training camp because he, he even said it. And now Marner, he's holding out and out. If it's true, if Marner got the money that he said he got in June at, what, 11 mil, seven years, he was looking for his bonus money that Lou Lamorello didn't give him. Yeah. And, you know, and it's, that's just a tactic. So, I mean, it's a negotiating tactic because you know, he knows that, the, that Toronto cave in because they didn't take the stance last year with Nylander when they should have. They should have just been like, okay, you want to hold out, go hold out. And it, seem, and it seems like when people are trying to keep score and they're like, okay, Matthews is 21, but by the time it's 2024, 
you know, he's going to be about 25, 26 years old. And we as Devils fans are very lucky to have um, a very young team with Heischer, Hughes, um, possibly Bofist. And you take the 27-year-old Taylor Hall, you know, let's say he gets traded tomorrow um, or sometime before this season, and we get Marner. Marner's 22. You're trading five years uh, of, of a player for someone younger with a, a larger window to uh, achieve success, hopefully not just in the regular season, but playoffs. Yeah, and Marner has proven that he can consistently put up the numbers since he's come into the league. And, I mean, his numbers did rise last year because he was playing with Tavares. But even when he didn't have Tavares, his numbers were still high. And you've got to consider that. Now, look, like you said, there's Boquist possibly if he's on the team. So you've got Heeshear, you've got Hughes, not to mention Bratz there. And that's that right there. And then Butcher on the back end with Severson and Mackenzie Blackwood. So that's a nice nucleus of young talent the Devils have on their team. And, you know, you, the training camp roster comes out today. So everybody looks at it and says, oh, okay, you know, we see who's there, who's not there, you know, who got the invite, who didn't get the invite. And, you know, most of the guys from – Zero the, PTO you know, so, so far. Prospect. Zero PTOs, though. I saw uh, Brian Strait was on the back end of the roster with no number, but I didn't see a PTO, no PTOs. But I was looking it over some guy, a lot of guys from the Prospect Challenge, obviously there. But you know, as I said earlier, before we had our technical difficulties, that the roster, if you look at it up and down, I counted twenty-two huh. roster spots. Well, you're only allowed twenty-three. Leaves one to start the season. Leaves one, and the one guy you know everybody looks at is Ty Smith, and I saw him in Buffalo. And I liked what I saw, and he's out to prove that in last year was no seat, no joke, no fluke, that, hey, I can play, I deserve to play, and, you know, I'm going to make the coaching staff's life hard again. And it seems like, you know, you talked about, you know, you talked with uh, Sergey Breland. Can you tell our listeners, viewers, um, what you learned from Sergey and your encounter? Oh, look, Sergey was very, very approachable, like he always is. And Sergey was talking about how, you know, Smith has great vision with the puck. And he's a natural out there. And, you know, at times, you know, he he needs to be, you know, fine-tuned like every good player does. But he understands the game well and he understands the situations well. Now, were there at times that, you know, he did some things that were like a rookie would make? Sure, because he's got to get adjusted to the game. But Sergey likes what he sees, and he wouldn't be surprised if uh, Smith made the team. And so let's go from uh, what uh, Tommy Fitzgerald said about um, a guy like Jack Hughes, you know, having similar problems to like a Crosby and a Malkin, where guys like those are very – strong on the puck and they hold on the puck a lot longer. Um, 
Can you reiterate on what he said during that interview with uh, Matty Laughlin? Yeah, so basically, you know, he's the Devils and Coach John Hines and Fitzgerald, they're looking for guys that are strong on the puck, as you said. And what he means is, you know, puck protection. Um, you saw it, and I uh, just dropped a, uh, before it came on, just dropped a article on Pavel Zaka and how he's, his game has improved. Uh, specifically because John Hines has called out his um, ability to protect the puck. And you saw in the last game against the Florida Panthers, that nice goal where he went around Ekblad, kept the puck protection really well, and then flipped it over. That was a great highlight real goal. He wants, he wants the young players to understand that, yeah, you have great sp- speed and skill with the puck, but you have to hone it and learn how to protect it because guys in the NHL – read plays, and they understand how to take the puck away. And it's all about holding the puck. And not too long, but putting it in the right spot and learning to be how to protect it on the boards. You want to win those board battles. You want guys that are fighting. You want guys to fight hard uh, for each other. And as you saw in the prospects challenge in the first game, Jack Hughes gets hit, gets hit again, Nobody does anything. So they hold him out against Pittsburgh. Not like he needed to play in every game anyway. But they hold him out because they thought it would be a little bit more physical. Next game, against Bossy back in, gets hit from behind. No, it was a dirty hit. It wasn't. He just fell into the referee. But he got hit from behind. Nate Bastion steps up. Take, says, take okay, authority. I'm gonna take authority. I'm going to protect the guy because I was called out by my coaching staff and by my general manager that we need to be – protecting the guy like a Jack Hughes. And you know what? That is something I can segue into Don Cherry. He always said on Hockey Night in Canada, you can't just allow, you know, other players to take liberties on on the goal scorers. He once said, you know, God creates the scorers and I'll teach them how to back check. Well, in this sense of it, it, it looks like, you know, it'll teach – someone like a Nathan Bashan to back check guys and get in the way of, you know, the harmful player on trying to hit a guy like Jack Hughes. Yeah. And another thing is, you know, having, keeping Fitzgerald um, with the devils and he signed a new deal and gets a promotion, which is great for New Jersey because he's been one of those guys that's been linked to a, to a Minnesota this past year to could have been linked to a Seattle um, it's like what Vegas did with um, George McPhee and Kelly McCrimmon. They mm. keep their base together because uh, having a guy like Fitzgerald feeds Shiro. These guys, they know how to scout. They've been together. It's a nice partnership. It keeps you know they know they know what they're looking for. They know then that then everything that the team is trying to build this brotherhood mentality, this young nucleus. It stays together, and they can just keep it flowing through. From what I've watched over the years, the past three years with – well, it feels more than four years, but uh, Tommy Fitzgerald, I know that he and uh, Ray Shiro Mm -hmm. and Paul Castron have such strong ties, even before their NHL careers from from college. Um, It always seems like, you know, they and Dan McKinnon always have this uh, network of building with their scouts and their – uh, the regional guys, and it seems like you know it's kind of like Costco. You build from within, and you build 
such a great company over time. It builds great stability and you build trust um, with all your employees and the people that uh, come to your place and uh, admire your product. It's, that's what is happening with the Devils right now and the uh, Harris Blitzer Sports Entertainment uh, packaging. So there's there's a lot of trust going on and you know that could lead into uh something else in regards to trust and it would be you know a guy like Andy Green and you know you asked me before about why I had him on a third pairing and again it goes back to his play but again it goes to trust and a guy like Green who is the captain if for some reason they decided to bench him, it wouldn't look good because that means they don't trust him. And then it doesn't look good with the agent because he's still there and it's all about trust. But with regards to Green's play, that he's older. Now, it doesn't mean that he wasn't a second or first pairing defenseman. He was. When Severson came into the league, he groomed him. He was good with him. But now he needs to step away and move back because he needs to understand that he's just not the player that he once was. And it would make things easier if the coaching staff went to him before the season started, be like, look, Andy, we like what you've done for us the last couple seasons, but we're looking to go in a different direction. He would be okay with that. You just can't bench a guy that's wearing, who's wearing the C on his sweater. I think if, you know, all those hard slap shots, wrist shots, you know, start taking a toll on Andy Green's lower body, et cetera, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, he is benched for that one game or those five games out of the whole season. You know, you, you, like you said, you know, hockey years, like 36 is probably like being a 53-year-old. Oh, yeah, because, look, he was the leader in block shots for the team last year. Okay, that's great. He was the leader in block shots. But if you go back and watch the tape, how many of those block shots was he out of position for when the puck came back into the middle? It was around the net. He didn't realize the situation that was going on, and the guy put the puck in the net. It's great that you block shots. It is. There's nothing wrong with it. But you got to understand when to do it because one of my coaches always told me that when you block your shot, that means you don't have two feet on the ice and you're not mobile anymore. You take yourself out of position. And it always seems to come back and bite. Like, for instance, you allow, like, one of those rebounds off someone else's uh, skate and maybe right off your blocker, you know, it goes right towards that one person who lays their blade down and they chip it right in, you know, for that little little tip-in goal. It just it's one of those nail biters as a fan and, you know, a contributor. It's just like, geez, you know, that's bad puck luck. Yeah. And, you know, you could go to bad puck luck, but he also could be like, you know, okay, the goalie has the shot. You don't need to get in his way to block it. He's got it. He's got all the equipment to stop the puck. Don't get in his way. Like it, cause it could go off you and go in it can change direction. And I, I don't know how many times I've seen on hockey night in Canada, the day after, like I'm covering a game on a Saturday night that Don Cherry talks about, you know, sticks in the lane, get your stick out of the way, get out of the way because the goalie has it because goalies get frustrated because they know they have the puck lined up and then some guy stands in his way and tips it in or it goes off a redirection off a defenseman because he's trying to block a shot. 
those are one of the things I always like watching Don Cherry for is because it's those subtle details. Like you just talked about how, you know, you either, you know, get your, you either close your feet more and you take up that, that shooter's area or you get out of the way, get your stick out of the way. You know, you don't want to, you know, make a shield and block your own goaltender's sight. Yeah. So, you know, it's just those little details, which, you know, it, like I said, blocking shots is a good thing. Helping your goalie out is a good thing. But I think you want to be more of a system and get the puck out of the zone and start your breakout and not worrying about half the, half the blocking shot. Just you make sure that that shot from the point, it don't happen. Or the shot comes from the outside or it comes from a bad angle that the goalie can stop. Don't just don't get in the way of it. That bad angle shot reminds me of watching Patrick Sharp one time scoring that hat trick on Marty Berdur on his last few seasons as a double. Yeah. And I just remember like he was like at one of this one of the most acute angles on the left wing side and he just roofed it like in the top corner and just like you know, Blackhawk fans were tossing hats on the ice at Prudential Center that, that game. I was like, oh, Jesus. Yeah, I mean, it was – yeah, I mean, that was the heyday of the Blackhawks when they just couldn't be stopped. And, you know, Patrick Sharp was one of those players that, you know, you didn't – you knew when he was on the ice. He had the, he had the shot to beat you from anywhere. But you said it was towards the end of Marty's career and, you know, the way, you know, he – he didn't play – he wasn't Marty the way everybody knew him. He definitely gave up a lot more bad goals than he stopped. And, you know, he's in a, he's in a different role now with the team. But, like you said, those, those are momentum killers, and you can't have that stuff happen during and, the game. And speaking of momentum, you know, I was just reading a, a tweet from Matt Laughlin I sent you earlier from April 8th. And I believe this is still relevant because of Mike Morial followed up on this uh, a few days ago. Uh, Matt Laughlin wrote a while back says Hall says that you know a conversation uh, regarding as extension will wait for now, and then it says uh, wants to listen to what uh, Ray and ownership has to say, and then it says again uh, will also uh, ownership has. To has to say talks with uh, his family and uh, and be able to go to his representatives, uh, but has enjoyed uh, or does enjoy his time here in New Jersey. Yeah, I mean, look, again, the undertones, it's not what you say, it's how you say it. And I've been telling everybody, and I, I, I put a piece together again for last word on hockey.com looking into if the Devils did enough for Taylor Hall. And you, you see that at the beginning of the year and you saw at the end of the season in a locker clean out. And, you know, he makes the comments that, you know, the team needs to be better. We have to improve. He then says in, on an Edmonton radio show that when the Devils entered last season, they were pretty much the same team. And he thought that was a little weird. Um, he wanted more changes, so they did the changes. And, you know, they add Subban. Uh, you they, get Jack Hughes. You get Gusev. You, you got Simmons. You got John Hayden. 
you possibly add Ty Smith now on the back end. So, okay, Devils do all this stuff. Still, we're talking about, okay, yeah, I want to wait and see, uh, play wait and see approach in July. Okay, we're in August. All right, we're still wanting to wait and see how we want to handle my contract. I'm not talking about an extension. Devils are being patient. Well, that tells me, well, do you really want to play here? For for me, you know, I really feel uh, like – like, you know, the Jeopardy theme song is, like, playing right now in my head from that whole entire time, from that whole entire comment from April 8th. If I last read that then, you know, you know, the it's almost – Yeah, it's, it's going to go bung, bung, and ownership's going to be like, um, Halsey, are you sure you want to be in New Jersey? We could just trade you to Toronto for Mitch Marner. Are you okay with that? Yeah, it's it's one of those things where it's like, all right, do you want to be here? Do you? And he's saying the right things. Look, he's like he wants to. In with when he was with Mike Morial, he said, "Look, I want to help my the team win. I want to help them get back to the playoffs. I want to be there." But again, it's looking like he wants to hit July one. Okay, there comes a point in time when management has to go to him and say, hey, look, we understand you don't want to sign an extension. We're going to have to look to move you. We need to know where you would like to go. Now, I'm not saying a contract extension can't happen midseason. It could. But you just never know. But you just don't know. And a lot of teams do not want to be left like Columbus was like the Islanders with John Tavares getting nothing. Let the guy go to July 1st and you get nothing for them. And Columbus was different because they went all in getting Dzingle and getting Duchesne and they had Panarin. But it felt like all those guys were leaving anyway. And they just didn't give moments. They didn't give enough notice or anything. Um, and it just felt, and it just feels like, you know, that they, they could have worked with their agents and could have, you know, come up with some sort of trade and whatnot, and just could have gotten a better deal for both ends. Yeah. It's just weird because you knew Panarin wasn't staying and you knew Bobrovsky wasn't going to stay. And that was from before they went all in to try to make a run in the playoffs. And and as Tortorella said, and as Dubinsky said, and as Atkinson has said in Columbus, we want guys that want to play here. And they want to play in Columbus. Well, same thing's got to be said in New Jersey. We want guys that want to play here. And if you're not sure, then you need it, to go. You know, this reminds me of how I feel. It's like, we're not Edmonton East. We're not even close to that. We have a culture where we have these young guys. If you don't want to be here, we'll just stick Jesper Bokvist in your rightful place. And we would be glad to have someone else take your number nine and uh, have your cake and eat it. Yeah. And, you know, again, it, the team doesn't want it to be a distraction. 
And Ray Shiro said that, look, it's not going to be a distraction come training camp because I'm going to talk about it once and it's going to be over with. But it's a big question throughout the season. Is is he going to stay or is he going to stay? And it may just come down to numbers. Or it may be like he wants to go place, go to a place where he feels he can win. And if he does not feel that New Jersey is the place for him, then he will have to go someplace else. Yeah, it always, like, if you think about it now, like, you know, you got Jack Hughes and Nico Heischer, you know, they want to build a winning culture, especially with P.K. Subban for the next three seasons, and you have Simmons for that year. And you want to build some really good chemistry through that team, and you want to be able to take authority with it. You want to, you know, have zero distractions. You want to take care of business against the Rangers and Kako. You want to take care of Columbus. That's always been a thorn, regardless of how good their team is. Yeah, you want to you want to win games in the Metro Division, and that's what hurt the Devils last season. Great, you were good against Pittsburgh. They seem to always win against Pittsburgh, but you got to beat Carolina. You got to beat Columbus. You got to beat Washington. You got to beat Philly. Got to beat New York Rangers. Got to beat the Islanders. You have to have that winning record in the Metro Division because right now, I mean, look, the Atlantic is definitely better because they have top, arguably five of the top ten goaltenders in the division. Some of the best rookies so, in the draft. Some of the best rookies in the draft play in there. So if Tampa, Boston, and Toronto are locked in the Atlantic and somebody's playing for one spot, which is everybody thinks is Florida. Okay, so you put Florida in. Does, does it mean that another team from the Atlantic division can't get no. in? You... No. So Montreal, so Montreal. So say, for instance, you have five teams coming from the Atlantic this year, which is a possibility it could happen. That means that you have – Seven teams fighting for three spots. Really, theoretically, you have six teams fighting for two spots because the Capitals are going to be in the playoffs again next year. They will be have a spot, one of the top three spots in the division. I don't. I I see that happening. I can see that. Outside of that, is, is, is Pittsburgh a lock? I'm not writing off Pittsburgh Maybe. anytime soon, uh, but I still think they're going to be in the top four. But I disagree with. Um, Brian Lawton's assessment on New Jersey and the Rangers uh, because I don't see the the Devils that far down in the Metro. I mean, seventh is, too, is, is way too below their potential. I can see uh, one through five because, you know, you can be in the fifth spot in the, in the East and, I mean, fifth in the Metro and still be able to get eighth through sixth in a competitive East. Yeah. I mean, look, if you, if you're telling me after all the off season additions, the Rangers and the devils made that they're going to finish seventh and eighth in the division, you're out of your mind. Yeah, I, I think he's, I think he's drinking a little too much of something. There's, I don't know what he's on, but I think he was prescribed it. So you're telling me Columbus is better. You're telling me Carolina is better. Carolina is definitely as good as they were last year. So you're telling me the Islanders are going to be just as good who were a surprise team last year and made the playoffs like the Devils were the year before that. And then as I'm looking right now, 
Um, I'm just going to check the Metropolitan. I'm going to dissect why I don't think Carolina is that worth it. Um, let's see. Their forwards, you have Sebastian Ajo. Okay. Jordan Stahl, he's getting, he's getting up. They're still one of the best face-off winners. Toivo Teravainen, he's coming on coming strong. strong. Nino Niederreiter is one of the top, you know, top nine forwards in the league. He can play wing. Uh, Ryan Zingles, bottom six guy. But you have Eric Halla, who's not that bad. That was a steal. That was a steal from Vegas. It, it, they could have asked for more. Then you have Brock McGinn, who's still one of their best players. Um, still not high on Martinuk. Yeah, I mean, he was injured a lot in the playoffs, so really hard to say what he can bring to the table. Oh, and uh, they have Andrei Sveshnikov, who didn't look, you know, as solid as I thought he would after his draft year. Yeah, but you know what? He, they still, like you said, they still have a young, they still have a young team in there, and with Roddy Brendan Moore behind the bench, I mean, they're not going to be able to carry the same type of momentum they had throughout the year because, again, you had surprise teams, and they were a surprise team because no one expected it. Their defense, okay, is good. You got Gardner, you got Jacob Slavin back there. Warren Fogle, who's a pain right. in the rear. Right, right. So they have the, the talent there, but is their goaltending better? Actually, let me just check that. Um, remember we talked about before this app kicked, kicked us off? Uh, yes. James Reimer is your first goaltender in your backup is Peter Morazic. All right, so that really doesn't scare me. And is Morazic going to catch lightning in a bottle two years in a row? Because the only reason Morazic was good is because McElhaney was there to back him up, and they ran with the tandem of McElhaney and Morazic, just like in New York, they ran with Grice and Leonard. And I don't know why they gave the Islanders gave four years to Simeon Verlamov for a guy who has been injured over the last several seasons and lost his starting job in Colorado to Philip Grubauer. So I, I'm not scared of that goaltending tandem. I will tell you the, the one really good thing about Carolina that, that has them going is they, have, they still have Justin Falk, but I hear rumors he's, he's trade bait. But you have Jake Gardner, who's 29, all the way through uh, 2024, July 1st. Yeah, but I mean, look, but you're looking at it. So, so you're you brought in Jake Gardner, who's a left side defenseman. Now you're giving up on a uh, guy that could play on your right side. So it that that doesn't make any sense to me because you always like to have that left side right side pair. And if you and Falk's still a good player. Now he might be down on the depth chart. That's fine. If he needs to move on, he needs to move on. But if Anaheim's really going to give up Andre Kasha for Justin Falk. Um, I don't know what Anaheim's thinking of. I mean, you do need defense help. But Justin Falk for Andre Kasha, a guy who, I mean, is really good for Anaheim. I don't know if I'd be wanting to give up a young player like that. Yeah, I just I just can't, you know, see them doing that. And then you have um, two buyouts that uh, Carolina did with Alexander Semin. And you have Patrick Marlowe's money's off the books after 2020. uh season's over so if you think about it i mean they do get some money back like over 6.25 million out of the 8.5833 million 
But that again, that's not this year. And Carolina is up against the cap this year. Mm-hmm. And look, so okay, Carolina, you can put them as a contender in the Metro. I mean, so Columbus clearly take took a step backwards with losing. Now, in what I've re- been reading from coming out of Columbus, they still believe that they have the team that can make a playoff run. We'll find out because the Metro Division is very, very difficult. And, you know, like I said, the Rangers are better. The Devils are clearly better. Again, I, I think a lot of the assessment where you see the Devils ending up has to do with goaltending. And Mackenzie Blackwood and Corey Schneider, do, do people really believe in those two? But that's like every year. Prognostications are prognostications. They always go wrong. It doesn't matter what year it is, you know, somebody could be like, oh, yeah, Devils are going to finish seventh in the division and end up finishing fourth. It, I mean, it, it's so it, hard to predict. It, like, like it is, like, you could find someone, you know, you could trade with and you could find that steal of a goaltender, but goaltenders are voodoo, if, if you will. You know, you just don't know who's going to be on your team. Um, I would rather bet money that, um, Jill Sen would be one of those really good guys that could come up if Schneider's not doing well. But I think he's a he's got some good moves, but he's starting to improve his game. Yeah, I mean, look, the the the, the guys look the greatest in the prospect challenge. No, I mean, they all really. They, I mean, it was three games hard to judge because each guy got a game. I mean, Evan Cormier looked really solid. You know, he did look pretty good. He actually looked pretty good. Um, but, you know, I guess the Devils' first two games, they, you know, the first game against Buffalo, they didn't show up for a period. And then now played Buffalo for two periods and lost the game. Made a great comeback. And, again, Ty Smith on the bench town barking at the guys. Who was he, Who was on the bench that he was barking at the most? No, he was just – he was barking at the whole bench. He was, he was just saying, you know, I couldn't – from where I was – you know, watching from, I couldn't tell what he was saying, but from he was just, you know, and then after he was saying, look, I just wanted to give some. He's a self-starter. He's a self-starter. Just want to be like, look, we're not out of this. He said, we're not out of this. We can play better. We know we can play better, you know, and they just got it rolling. I I tell you, you know, Ray Shiro and John Hines, they were talking about before the draft, they were looking for a guy who was a mixture of fast, attacking, supportive, and the self-starter. And when you have a guy like that that can, you know, coach others or be a leader, you know, in a different way of that, that term, it really brings that extra fight in that team and they start coming back. And if Ty Smith can do that this year, and make and and make the team permanently. It's going to be great to see how this team can rise to the occasion. Oh, absolutely! I mean, look, he's one. He again, he's one of those guys that are going to make give the coaching staff a problem on making decisions towards the end. Now, you know, there there could be a lot of things could happen in training camp. Guys could lose spots. You know, we've seen it over the past, you know, when he Shear and, and Brat came in and their their training camp days, no one thought Brat was gonna make the playoff uh, make the playoffs, make the team out of training camp. Um 
and he did. He took a spot away from somebody. So, I mean, you know, when I say there's still, you know, there's one spot available, realistically there are other spots available. But if you look at the the team as it is constructed, there really isn't that many spots available when you get down to it. And so – and we can talk all about that all day long. Let's get on to the goal song part. I mean, it's been, what, four four years since the amendment from Gary Glitter's uh, Rock and Roll Part 2 to the jerseyfication of the goal song. I know this gets political, but, hey, um, I think think the way the team has moved on to a jersey band in the past – was well, a good start. Yeah, I agree. I mean, if you look at and when the Devils announced they were doing a gold song thing, I was like, "All right, this is good." I mean, we can we're we're moving away from looking like an organization that you know all we want to do is chant. All they want, all the fans want to do is chant, "You suck" during <laughs> the gold song. Which, all right, it's it's fine. It's all dandy. Oh, great, great. Not when you're losing six one. I don't care. I come from the old school of, uh, you know, act like you've been there before. And when you're losing, don't even, don't even say anything. Don't even do anything. I'd be like, all right, I scored fish pump. All right, bye. Like, I'm going back to the bench. Well, like, for it. me last year, like, when I saw them not doing so well, just like, I was one of those, like, yeah, I don't really feel like saying it, you know. Like, like if, like if yeah, they were, I, you know – let's say having a good old time versus Montreal and beating their butts, you know, okay, then I'm, I'll just point to the other people chanting the, you know, what chant. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But I like, I like the fact that some of the players are actually on board with this thing. What was it? Subban and Hall on Twitter be like hip hop hooray. They want that one. I mean, look, it's good to get the players involved. It really is because they're having a grand old time. And if that one gets, that one gets selected. I'm all for it. Um, I would personally like to have like a jersey base. Well, you do have Bouncing uh, Souls, which is from New Brunswick, New Brunswick, New Jersey. Yeah, I mean they they used that. I think where they used that when they were still yeah. at the old barn. They used that a couple of years after the uh, Rock and Roll Two incident. Um, I mean, Gaslight, Gaslight Anthem like, now, the, yeah. The Gaslight Anthem is up there. That one would be good too. I mean, I'd be probably down for those two. And if they want to, and if, hey, they throw us a curveball with, uh, with Hip Hop Hooray, I'm okay with that too because that's the music. Or they throw in uh, Hey Baby by uh, that, D- that DJ that, uh, that is paired with, uh, with Drake. Oh, uh, yeah. I forgot his name, but uh, I was just thinking about the tune because last year they played it. If anyone who who listens to World Junior Hockey, that's – yeah, that was that was the team Canada's uh, bingo. And it was like the all that was the whole rage of the tournament. Honestly, that that was such a a, a, a really catchy tune. I couldn't stop listening to it uh, because it was just too good to like not listen to that beat. Um, I I honestly uh, I I do miss uh, Bouncing Souls Olay because. Uh, there's a lot of people that are going with the Jersey bands and I just think because it's so uni- universal and in a romance language, you know, you get a lot of people from, let's say the ironbound section 
you know, you know, you understand that even if you speak Portuguese or you speak French or Spanish, you get a lot of people that will understand uh, that chant would be more universal. Yeah, I mean, look, obviously, you know, the Ole thing, the Ole song is great. You know, obviously, you know, down at the Bell Center, the old Forum fans chanted Ole, 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 Ole when teams were losing. You know, it's a soccer chant. Every, you know, obviously, down in Newark, everybody. Red Bulls. Football, everybody lo- the Red Bulls, everybody loves it. So, I mean, you get that, that universe involved. So, you, you bring everything together. Like I said, I really, it doesn't bother me what song they pick. I, like, those are my three options um, that I would go with. You know, some people are always going to disagree about it because they want their favorite to be played. It's, as long as it's catchy, as long as it's good, and you hear it a lot, that's all that matters. And I, I think, you know, no matter what song you choose, there, there's always going to be that rebel crowd that's always going to use the, the YS chant, and then yes. you, you're going to have your people that are going to do the Ba-ba, yeah, ba-ba, like like over in the 120s. Um, yeah, I actually they, give a salute to them. To that. Yeah, they they hold on to that. They hold on to the other chant too, which doesn't need to be mentioned. Everybody knows what it is. And <laughs> it's it, synonymous. It's synonymous. We know what it is, and they say, you know, we're still losing, and it comes up. It's like, all right, you want to be? It's like you want to do that. That's fine. All right, whatever. But you don't have to push everyone to. Uh, do to it. do it, but um, you know what was interesting? I know this is a little change of subject, but um, Dancing Earl looked at my Pavel Zaka article that I put out, and I was like, "Wait a second! I gotta show Jim this is this is amazing." I didn't think he would be uh, reading hockey stuff this early. Meanwhile, he has to get ready to do his job at the Pru Center. Which hopefully he'll be there Monday night, but but dancing around is the man. So if you guys, if those listening around never knew was there, and dancing Earl is the man when it comes to breaking it down yeah. on the dance floor. He really is. No, no joke. I know. Like we laugh, but he is the man. Like I thought, I first saw this guy. I'm like, yo, who's this guy? And then he's just dancing away, having a good old time. Guy's the man. He so, he and DJ Yoshi should have like a special Devils song that should be like the the Rick Flair the Rick Flair Woo remix. That I would be think, amazing. That would be amazing because if you take like a like let's say a group from Newark, you know, a hip hop band or rap, you know, you, you get the in game Harris Blitzer Sports uh, entertainment thing going. I mean. You get so many more fans enjoying like all these, you know, maybe a few free giveaways like they they do the t-shirt tosses. And I just think, you know, you'd get more people into it. Oh, absolutely. If you had like a uh if you had a a song that gets everybody into it, that that's great instead of generic stuff. And you know, he's got the organ at the hockey game. But they need to get more people involved, which is great. And you know, you know, watching from high above you know, you see the fans getting involved. That's always a good thing because the Devils need the fan support. And, you know, it, it's you know it's one of those years everybody's excited. There's excitement around the team. There's excitement around the building. People, it, the players are motivated to show that they're still got what it's left to be in the tank. And, you know, with Subban there, 
with all this stuff just going around, it feels like that it's going to be a good year. Not not to be like overly jovial, but I can see Pete Canarotti right now, the organist for the Devils, just like playing his own like jams after each goal, and I can I can just see him queuing in after each goal song, and Kevin Clark will be like, and number eighty six. First NHL goal, Jack Hughes. Yeah, I mean, I could see, I could see that too. I mean, look, everybody. Speaking of Hughes, uh, everybody has high expectations for him, and you and I had this little um, combo. Yeah, a little combo going on about you know calming it down. To, yeah, I mean, calming it down, calming down expectations. Look, the kid's gonna hit it. I mean, all projections say fifty to sixty points, which is realistic, and and I don't. I could see it, but as I told you, I think you got to realize that if he hits more than that, great. If he doesn't, don't hammer the kid because he's got his body's got to get used to the travel of playing in the NHL, get used to playing a lot of games and back in the rhythm of everything. And you get those bumps and bruises and those hits every night. And then you got to say, for instance, uh, like we said, he's got to play. One game you got to play Carolina on a Wednesday. You're in Carolina, but Thursday night you got to play Boston Chicago at home. Boston or Chicago at home. That's that, tough. Go back to back like that. There are going to be times where you're going to be in Boston and you go to Montreal. You know, you you take the team jet or something like that. You know, you have to do border. You know, like customs and all that stuff. You know, business stuff. And then after you're done with Montreal, you have to go to maybe Ottawa, and then Ottawa, you go to Toronto, maybe go back to uh, playing at the Garden for a game, and then you go back to uh, the Rock for a game. It takes a lot. The travel takes a lot, and the biggest thing is adjusting to, okay, we just played four games at home. All right, time to go out west. Now I got to go. Now I got to go play in Calgary and Edmonton and Vancouver. So we got to play Calgary, Edmonton back-to-back, get a day off, got to go Vancouver and play. And, oh, oh, by the way, we're flying home the next day because in a couple of days we have a game. So and, stuff like that. And I think someone is going to have to be Jack Hughes' uh, roommate for this season. Who would you think would be Ooh. to keep an eye on him? I guess see. Nico? That would be a good, re- that would be a good uh, roommate for him. The two centers, you know, talk things. I was thinking maybe, maybe like a Paul Mary, maybe some guy like that. Um, Do not put him with PK because I no, that is because I that think, would just get wild. I think it would be way too wild. Yeah, you know. And speaking of PK, you know, just to you know veer just a little bit off the roommate thing. <laughs> so, you know, PK. Everybody talks about PK, and you know, we see his workouts and we see all this stuff. You know. <laughs> He had a he had a grand old time when the VMAs were in Newark in Jersey. Him and Blake Coleman, you know, yeah. All of a sudden, I, I was like, "Wait a minute, Blake Coleman's gonna be on a red carpet for VMAs, and PK Subban's there, and these guys are just getting into." Did you see that flow he had? Yeah, I mean, he was rocking a nice flow, Coleman. And, and on top of it, he had the um, he had the cowboy hat, and then. Oh, yeah, he and his wife announced that they're having a baby. Yeah, and then, you know, he got to interview um, all the, the celebrities from New Jersey, got shout-outs for the Devils. You know, Jonas Brothers? 
Jonas Brothers were there. I think uh, was it um the the day before they were at uh the Stone Pony. Yes, but who's the other guy? Um, was it was it uh, Ice T? Ice one of those. I think it might have been Ice T. I can double check. Yeah, I think it was Ice T when you know he he got him to give a little shout out to the Devils. Um, they were talking about Newark and you know all that, and then him and Subban were going back and forth congratulating each other, you know. And they were having a grand old time. So, it, you know, it's good to see the Devils are involved outside of just playing hockey, which is good. They need that. I can also reiterate on that because, you know, I remember when my first year, you know, going to the Prudential Center, you know, it's it, – at, at that time it was pretty shaky. You know, you know uh, Jeff Vanderbeek at that point took a leap of faith. And sometimes you need guys – who are willing to do the things that the ordinary, you know, cup of Joe doesn't taste like. Um, sometimes you got to be extra bold with your coffee beans. Yeah. And he actually did come up with gold on that one. And when you get all these performers from Newark, you know, whether it's basketball, music, hockey, it's you're dipping into a, you know, a broader market than just one sport or one side of entertainment. Exactly, and and that's what you need because you need the people to come out, and you need to have, you know, you may a, a couple of celebrities come out to a devil game. That's great. That gets the devils on the map, and it, and it, because everybody's like, oh, it's Newark, you know, no one wants to go there. Which you know, <laughs> and, 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 at at times it's true. It it is, but uh, I remember in 2012 you had um, dinosaur BBQ opened up and. Like right after, I think round one of the two, of the 2012 playoffs, and more people are going to eat in uh, those restaurants, and you know you have so many new Devils fans. You have Shaq, who's a, who's a fan of the Devils. I've seen him before try to put on Alexei Ponikarovsky jersey. They didn't work out too well. <laughs> they they needed like an extra 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 large. Yes. And then, of course, you know, for those who follow the wrestling, um, Edge, Adam Copeland, big Devils fan, grew up a Devils fan. So he's been at games. Obviously, Kevin Smith's been there because he's a big Devils guy. So, um, you know, it's just good to have that around Newark. Um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see again. But it all comes down to performance on the ice for this team and if they can keep butts in the seats because – it's all great to have that connection, but if you don't win and you don't put it, it team doesn't matter. Money, it doesn't matter. And I mean, it's good to have people like the impractical jokers around. I think you know that one time I, I was I was at that game and I remember they were shooting pucks at their own guys and whatnot. It was just like it was like constant hilariousness. And I think you know if all goes well this season, which I believe will happen. I believe they will hit a minimal of 97 points and they clinch a playoff spot if all goes well. Seven points uh, just because of the talent that they have on the team. And again, it all, you know, can the team stay healthy? Um, do they hit a wall? Uh, how do they bounce back after losses? You can't, you can't have these strings and stretches where you go through a period where it's four or five losses and then four or five wins, you got to limit the loss count. And 
you ha- I, as I told you before, or I don't know if I've told you this, but I've talked to a lot of people. You break the, the, the season down in quarters. And the 12-game quarter mark, 12 games in that quarter, you have to win. Anything more, good. Anything less, now you have to make I was up talking the next section. to my editor-in-chief, Nick Volano of Pucks and Pitchforks, uh, about how many games on – well, how many points per game on average the Devils need to achieve in order to become uh, a, a wild-card playoff team. You need about 1.16 points on average or 1.12 or 1.2 to achieve – um, that many points in the standings to to be a real true playoff team. So anything below those numbers is not uh, what Taylor Hall wants to see, or nor does any fan. No, no, and that also goes with the fact that your power play has to be clicking. It ranks twenty seven out of thirty one teams. It's not good enough. Um, your goaltending is near the bottom of the league. That isn't good enough. Yeah, your penalty is. T- penalty kills top 10 but that's great but when they're the league put in rules to give offense to power play they just came up with score. a rule um if if you shoot the puck before uh the red line center ice um goaltender plays it they there's some sort of penalty right you're not you're not allowed to like um, uh, do a change Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So if you ice the, uh, it, no, it's not ice the puck. Yeah, I'm have to look at that rule because I heard about that, like something about how you can't change it if it goes out of play. And yeah, it's again they want more offense in the league. They want more. They want more faceoffs in the offensive zone. It's turning into every sport where they want more offense. Want more offense. But yeah, it's great in the regular season, but come the playoffs, I think they should carry the those window. into the into the playoffs because you don't want people falling asleep during the game. No, but I mean, a lot of the games are pretty entertaining with the defense and, and all that. I mean, the Stanley Cup final was really entertaining, but again, it's, you know, regular season is regular season and playoffs are playoffs. And it's just a totally different animal. And it, I mean, it's just, that's what I've seen. And a lot of people I talk to agree that there's consistencies, don't roll over to the playoffs because they just it, feel like, hey, it's a different game. It just feels like it transitions physical. into a total different animal. And, you know, when you watch the playoffs, you're, you're looking at physical, uh, physical hockey and you're looking at, you know, not, not a whole lot of finesse, but you do still have a lot of speed still. But a lot of the players are starting to become uh, slower yeah. because they mostly are running on fumes still. Or some are arrested enough to have enough speed, and you know, I was talking about if Pavel Zaka has a really good year, you know, a guy like him can be critical in building a special bottom six uh, center line if 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 everything goes correctly. Hello, Devils fans and uh, and podcast listeners of the Jersey Joe Corner. If you want to sponsor the Jersey Joe Corner, you can support 
me and the podcast on uh, the Jersey Joe Corner Patreon page, or you can uh, support me here on Anchor, or you can go to the Jersey Joe Corner uh, teespring.com website. And currently, through the 27th of of Octo- of uh, September, rather, 927 2019 is uh, when 25% off of Jersey Joe Corner applicable merchandise through that time. So um, if you want to do that, you're more than welcome to join in and, uh, and see and see me for details. Thank you. Let's go doubles.